It's Tuesday, May 7th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into the mounting tensions between the U.S. and Iran. We'll connect dots that led the U.S. to send an aircraft carrier right up to Iran's front door. Then, Congress is looking to decide whether or not to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress. We'll give you the details. And finally, a big mouth shark is making a comeback in California. We're here to make your Tuesday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Fleur. The most complicated story today is about Iran. Things have gotten a little dicey lately. U.S. officials said yesterday that Iran is threatening U.S. troops stationed in the Middle East. On Sunday, the Trump administration announced it was sending an aircraft carrier, a missile cruiser, and destroyers, along with a couple of Air Force bomber planes, to the Persian Gulf. Basically, they're showing up at Iran's front door to say, back off. Here's Secretary of State Mike Pompeo answering questions about it yesterday. So we're taking all the appropriate actions, both from a security perspective and well as um, uh, our ability to make sure that the president has a wide range of options in the event that something should actually take place. These are just the latest moves the U.S. has leveled against Iran in recent months. What we've been trying to do is to get Iran to behave like a normal nation. And so we're going to break it down for you. Why is there so much tension between the U.S. and Iran? why things have been escalating recently, and what Iran might do next. The U.S.'s beef with Iran dates back decades. Iran's been kind of a rogue player in the Middle East, funding and supporting terrorist groups and trying to build its own nuclear program. In response, the U.S. has issued all kinds of sanctions against Iran, which have hurt their economy. But the sanctions weren't enough to get them to stop going nuclear. And that was really the point. So in 2015, after months of negotiations, seven countries, including the U.S. and Iran, sat down and finally signed the Iran nuclear deal. The U.S. and other countries agreed they would ease up on sanctions, allowing them to make money again, and give back money they owed Iran. In exchange, Iran would reduce its stockpile of enriched uranium, which is the building block of nuclear weapons, and let outside inspectors come in to make sure they were sticking to the rules. The deal was considered one of President Obama's landmark achievements, and a lot of people thought it had cut the threat of nuclear Iran. But not everyone was on board with the deal, including then-Republican candidate Donald Trump. Never, ever, ever in my life have I seen any transaction so incompetently negotiated as our deal with Iran. After he won the election, Trump continued to trash talk it. Then exactly one year ago tomorrow, President Trump announced he was pulling the U.S. out of the Iran nuclear deal. And since then, things have escalated. First, in terms of sanctions. Last summer, the administration started sanctioning Iran again. In November, they targeted, among other things, Iran's largest industry, oil. The Trump administration blacklisted a bunch of Iranian officials from the global market. Critics said this would hurt the people of Iran more than the government. But Secretary of State Pompeo insisted, Our objective is to starve the Iranian regime of the revenue it uses to fund violent and destabilizing activities throughout the Middle East and indeed around the world. The U.S. offered temporary exemptions for countries that had been buying oil from Iran, including China and Turkey and Japan. Last month, the U.S. told those countries the clock had run out 
and the U.S. threatened to sanction them if they continued to buy oil from Iran. But there have also been military threats. Back in January, Secretary Pompeo was traveling around the Middle East, trying to rally Iran's neighbors against them. In February, President Trump suggested Iran was one reason to maintain a military presence in the region. Here he is on CBS's Face the Nation. You're keeping troops in Iraq because you want to be able to strike in Iran? No, because I want to be able to watch Iran. All I want to do is be able to watch. That freaked everyone out. Not just Iran, also Iraq. They've been trying to work things out in the neighborhood. And U.S. military officials have long been careful about not starting drama with Iran. But then in April, the Trump administration declared an arm of Iran's military a foreign terrorist organization. It was the first time the U.S. has named part of another country's government as that kind of threat. Now this weekend, the U.S. announced it's sending troops to Iran's neck of the woods in response to what they say are threats to troops stationed in Syria and Iraq. So yeah, things got intense. Fast. And the timing is really important. Because remember, tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of President Trump pulling out of the nuclear deal. And Iran's president wants to talk about that. Iranian state media is reporting that President Rouhani is likely to announce tomorrow that Iran will no longer abide by parts of the deal. European diplomats tell the Wall Street Journal that Iran could decide to ramp up research into centrifuges that made the highly enriched uranium. In the past, Iranian officials have threatened to shut out the independent monitors who are supposed to make sure that nuclear stuff is on the up and up. So what's the skim? Iran is reportedly unlikely to back out of the entire deal. That's because after the U.S. backed out last year, they left it up to Europe and China and Russia to keep the deal intact. And Iran doesn't want to alienate all of those countries. On the other hand, the Trump administration is telling those countries to choose sides. Stop helping Iran, stop buying their oil, or risk sanctions too. Here in the U.S., there's also a lot of concern that can impact gas prices. If countries have to stop buying Iran's oil because they fear being shut out from the rest of the global economy, they have to get it from somewhere else, which could cause gas prices to rise. In the meantime, Secretary Pompeo is once again on a plane out east. Today, he was supposed to meet with German Chancellor Angela Merkel, but canceled at the last minute, got on a plane, and didn't tell anyone where he was going. So, mystery trip in the middle of a whole lot of drama. Meanwhile, members of Congress are trying to track down another Trump administration official. This time, it's the Attorney General of the United States. And they're going no-holds-barred on this one. That's next. Even if you wear perfume every day, you might not think about what's actually in it. Fleur makes non-toxic perfumes and lists all of their ingredients online, so you get a good scent with clean ingredients. Go to Fleur.com today and use promo code SKIMTHIS to get 20% off your first custom Fleur sample set. Pick three cents to try and get credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite. That's promo code SKIMTHIS at Fleur.com to get your first three Fleur fragrance samples at 20% off. P-H-L-U-R dot com. You've probably heard the word contempt swirling around a lot lately. Contempt of Congress. The House Judiciary Committee is not happy with Attorney General Bill Barr right now. It started when A.G. Barr refused to show up for a House committee hearing last week. And now, he's refusing to hand over an unredacted copy of the Mueller report, 
even after they've sent him a subpoena for it. Here's Judiciary Committee Jerry Nadler last week. We will make one more good faith attempt to, ne- to, to, to negotiate and to get, uh, to get the access to the report that we need. And then, and then, if we don't get that, we will proceed to hold the attorney general in contempt and we'll go from there. So the Judiciary Committee is scheduled to vote tomorrow on holding Barr in contempt of Congress. If they do, it goes to the full House for a vote. You may have heard of contempt of court. What does contempt of Congress mean? Congress is supposed to oversee the executive branch. Contempt of Congress is their last-ditch effort to hold the executive branch accountable if their demands for documents or testimony aren't met. If the House holds bar in contempt, it would only be the second time in history lawmakers have done that to a sitting attorney general. The first was against President Obama's AG, Eric Holder, in 2012. So what happens after that? Either the House or the Senate can vote on a contempt citation. But here's the tricky part. They send that citation to the executive branch because the executive controls prosecutions. So if the House holds bar in contempt, they'd send that to the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office to prosecute. That office is part of the DOJ, where Barr is the boss. So yeah, that prosecution is pretty unlikely. If Democrats wanted to keep going with it, they could start a civil lawsuit and ask a judge to get involved, so that the federal government isn't being asked to prosecute itself. But if Congress takes the civil suit option, things could get hairy. Analysts say if a court ruled in favor of lawmakers, it could strengthen Congress's subpoena power and put pressure on the administration. A ruling in favor of the Trump administration could set a legal precedent that might make it easier for administrations to withhold information in the future. Even in the near future, Barr isn't the only one in the executive branch duking it out with Congress. Don McGahn, the former White House lawyer, might be held in contempt for denying a subpoena for White House documents that informed the Mueller report. And some are pushing to hold Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin in contempt for refusing to hand over President Trump's tax returns. Trump himself has promised to fight all subpoenas from congressional investigations. Right now, he's suing Deutsche Bank and Capital One to prevent them from releasing his financials to Congress. And they're under a subpoena order from Congress, too. Rock, meet hard place. Denver voters are going to try to make magic happen today. They're being asked on a ballot whether the state should ease up on a law that says it's a crime to possess or use psilocybin mushrooms, a.k.a. magic mushrooms, the ones that cause people to hallucinate. Denver would be the first U.S. city to pass this kind of law. It was also the first major city to legalize marijuana possession back in 2005. So there's a pro-drug history here. In the eyes of the federal government, weed and shrooms aren't too different. The Department of Justice classifies both drugs as Schedule I controlled substances. That's for drugs the government says have no medical value, but a high abuse potential. But a growing number of studies show that magic mushrooms can actually reduce the symptoms of medical conditions like anxiety and depression, especially when other treatments don't seem to be helping. In fact, because of that, researchers at Johns Hopkins say psilocybin should be taken off that Schedule I list. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, For more on that, head to our website, theskim.com. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the waters off the coast of California. After rarely being seen for 30 years, basking sharks are making a comeback. 
They used to be around the West Coast in the hundreds, but disappeared in the 1960s. By 2009, the NOAA listed them as a species of concern. Now, basking sharks are being spotted every other day. Some scientists say that may be because the ocean's gotten warmer. It's still unclear. What we do know, these sharks are huge, as big as a bus. They're the second largest sharks in the world. And they look terrifying. They swim with their mouths open really wide. They look like they could swallow a person whole. But apparently, they're actually gentle giants. In that case, welcome back, sharks. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim, by texting the word SKIM to 66866. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. 